This mathematics literacy lesson is brought to you by the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Education. Greetings all. My name is Sile Esngitu. I am going to be teaching you mathematical literacy. We will cover today data handling and probability. Firstly, let's start with the section probability. As you may know by now, you will notice that every time you go for paper one, you will be asked to define at least two or three concepts. So it's very important that for every concept that we cover, you are able to define it. So firstly, let's start with the definition of probability, because it's one of those concepts that you may be asked in an exam to define. Probability obviously can be defined in many ways, and one of those ways is probability is a measure of how likely an event is to occur. Obviously, you don't need to take this definition as it is or the definition on the book as it is, what you need to do is study the definition on the book, make sense of it, and be able to put it in your own words. Don't try and cram the definition given to you by the teacher, otherwise we will have a problem. Secondly, you need to know that probability can be expressed in three different ways. Number one, it can be expressed as a common fraction. I'm sure by now we all know what is a common fraction. You are in grade 12, you should know that. But in case you don't, a common fraction is a fraction whereby there is a numerator and a denominator. That's the first one. The second way of expressing probability is as a decimal fraction. Well, a decimal fraction will be a fraction where there's a number, a comma, and then another number that is a decimal fraction. The third way of expressing probability will be a percentage. Well, in most cases in an exam, you will be told or you will the question will specify as to which method you should use when answering a question on probability. But my advice to you, should it happen that the method is not specified, is that you write your probability in all the three ways, using all the three methods. Meaning, you start by writing it as a common fraction, you convert it into a decimal, and then finally write it as a percentage. So by doing that, you are trying to force whoever will be marking your paper to give you all the marks, okay? That is if in the question there is no specification as to how you should express your probability, but in most cases than not, it will be specified. Another thing that I want us to touch on on this section of probability is that we've got two types of probability. We have what we call theoretical probability and we also have what we call experimental probability. Let's try and, and unpack that. What is theoretical probability? By theoretical probability, as the term suggests, we mean probability that is derived on theory. For example, if I ask you, if you have a coin, what is the probability of 
getting a head when you spin it you can always say the answer is one over two without even taking this the coin and spinning it so in this case we are using your theoretical knowledge of the coin to answer the question you have not actually spinned the coin whereas when we talk of experimental probability that is whereby you firstly start by conducting an experiment and then after conducting an experiment you then calculate probability that we call experimental probability one other important thing that you must know in this section is that you may be asked using familiar context or you may be asked using unfamiliar context by that i mean in class you may happen to have been exposed to say for example probability of a dice probability of a coin probability of many different things but when you go to an exam they ask you about probability of a number in a lottery game which you have not been exposed to in class obviously you should be able to take knowledge that you learned about probability in a context of a coin and apply it in a different context don't expect only questions that are from the context that you were exposed to in class okay you may be given unfamiliar context especially when it comes to paper two okay let's do quick examples of how the questions on probability may be asked here's a question what is the probability that on the 25th of december it will be christmas that is a question i am sure we all know every year on the 25th of december it will be christmas no matter what is happening in the country no matter your situation whether you like it or not to be christmas but it will be therefore the probability of the 25th of december being christmas day is 100 percent that is if you express your probability as a percent or you can say one that is if you express your probability as a decimal or they may ask you to express your probability or to explain a probability in words in that case we would say well it is certain that it will be christmas on the 25th of december let's take another quick example an example say of the days of the week let's say today is a wednesday now the question is what is the probability of tomorrow being a sunday if it's a wednesday today well surely tomorrow can't be a sunday therefore the probability for that is impossible that is if you explain it in words or if you are asked to write it as a number that is will be zero or if you are asked to write it as a percentage that will be zero percent another example we will take a scenario of a dice if you roll a die what is the probability of getting a one all you need to do there is ask yourselves how many ones are there in a dice if you know a dice you will know that there is only one one in a dice well let me repeat that there is only one one in a dice out of how many numbers that are there in a dice out of six uh, numbers obviously that is if you are dealing with a normal dice 
So what will be the probability of getting a 1 if you throw a dice? The probability, let's do it firstly as a common fraction. It will be 1 because you have 1, 1 in a dice over 6 because there are 6 possibilities. There are 6 numbers that you can get when you throw a dice. Okay? That is if you express it as a common fraction. 1 over 6. But remember, we said you can also express it as a decimal. So what would be 1 over 6 as a decimal? 1 over 6 as a decimal will be 0, 0,166 recurring. Obviously, in an exam, you can write all the digits, all the many digits after a comma. You will be required to round off to a certain number of decimals, which in most cases is two decimals. So, in this case, if you punch into your calculator 1 divided by 6, you get 0, 0,16, and then the third digit will be a 6. Therefore, if you want to round off to two decimals, so you check the third digit. In this case, the third digit is a 6, which is more than 5, which means you need to round up your answer by 1. Therefore, your final answer should be 0, 0,17. However, if the third digit was any number less than 5, you would have left 0, 0,16 as it is. But in this case, because the third number is a 6, you need to round up by 1. Therefore, your answer will be 0, 0,16. That is if you write your probability as a decimal. Let's now express it as a percentage. So just take your, the answer that you got as a decimal, multiply by 100. You will now get the percentage form of your answer. The percentage form of your answer will be 16,67%. And please, when you write down your answer, don't forget to write the percentage symbol to show that this is a percentage that you are writing that is very very important it is as important as writing units in methods units in methods are very very important well while talking about a dice let's take another example let's say the question is if you roll a dice what is the probability of it landing with an even number so the first thing that you need to do, you need to ask yourself, out of the six numbers that are there in a dice, how many are even? You should know this by now. Even numbers in a dice are three. That is two, four, and six. Those are your even numbers. So if you roll a dice, there's a possibility that you can get three even numbers out of six possibilities. So how do you write your probability? You write your probability as 3 over 6. That is if you write it as a common fraction. Change that. Let's now write it as a decimal. Or let's do it as a decimal. What is 3 over 6 as a decimal? 3 over 6 as a decimal will give you 0, 0,5. Okay? I hope you are still following me. And then... If you want to change that into a percentage, you just take that decimal form of your answer, 
multiply it by 100 and you will get the answer now in percentage form which is 50 percent and there's something interesting about 50 percent remember when you did probability scale in grade 10 50 percent implies something implies that the probability of that event happening is equals to the probability of that event not happening okay it's an even chance kind of a situation so there are 50% chances of getting even numbers when you throw a dice and also there are 50% chances of not getting even numbers when you throw a dice. Now let's move to the next section which deals with data handling and data handling by the way is a very long section. I will just highlight a few important things. Just like I did with probability, the first thing that you should be able to do here is to define terms. Well, there are so many terms that you should know how to define in this section. There is actually an unlimited list of terms that you should be able to define. But I will just highlight a few. The first one being the term data itself. What is data? Data can be defined as raw information. Okay, that's one way. Or someone else may decide to say data is a collection of facts. Well, it's up to you which one you prefer or which one you were taught at school. Again, just like I emphasized with the issue of probability, you don't need to cram my definition as it is. Learn it, make sense of it, and be able to put it in your own words during the exam. The next thing here in this section that is important is to know different ways or different methods of collecting data. The first method is questionnaire. The second method is interview. The third method is observation. Well, let's unpack those a little bit. What is a questionnaire? A questionnaire basically is a list of questions written on a piece of paper that piece of paper which you then hand out to the people from which you want to collect your data which we call respondents the respondents will then fill in that questionnaire and return it back to you the second one interview what is an interview an interview is a list of questions just like a questionnaire the only difference is in this case you are not going to ask people to write anything down you are actually actually in an interview going to ask people questions orally and they will answer back orally that's the on the difference and then the third one observation the word observation is derived from the word observe so which has to do with looking so here you are collecting information by looking at something happening that is what we call observation obviously at grade 12 level they are not just going to ask you to list those methods rather they will say they will give you a scenario and then they will ask you which method amongst the three methods that I've counted is the most appropriate to collect data in each situation. That's how it's normally asked. Let me give you a few scenarios. Let's say in your school, you want to know which sport code is popular amongst your schoolmates. 
which one of the three methods will be the most appropriate to use? Firstly, can we use observation? Well, the answer is certainly not. Option is not a reliable method in this case. Can we use interview? Well, yes, you can use interview. Can you use questionnaire? Yes, you can use questionnaire. It seems like we have two methods that you can use in this case. Now the question is, how do you then decide on the one that you are going to write as an answer? Because at the end of the day, you need to write one answer. Well, you need to consider other things. Well, the board questionnaire and interview is usable in this scenario, but which one at the end of the day are you going to choose? Well, the other factors that you make well consider is the issue of time which one will save time is it a questionnaire or is it an interview well remember in a case of a questionnaire you can write 50 questionnaires hand it out to whatever number of people have them fill it at the same time and then return it back whereas in the case of an interview you need to go to each and every individual ask him or her the questions so one may decide to say, no man, a questionnaire in this case is the most appropriate and also it will be quick in terms of time because you can hand out many questionnaires at the same time, have people or your respondents fill it at the same time and return it back. But someone else might argue and say, mm -mm. but in a questionnaire, even after you've collected your questionnaires, you still have to sit down, go through each and every questionnaire. Will that not compensate for the time that you would have spent interviewing each and every individual in your sample or your population? Okay, by the way, those are the two important terms in data handling, but we will come to it in a moment. So, in this case, between questionnaire and interview, you can choose either one of the two as the correct answer. The most important thing will be how convincing is your justification. You can choose to say a questionnaire for as long as you can justify convincingly. You can say interview, it can also be used for as long as you can justify convincingly quickly let's take another scenario let's say in your school again you want to collect data about the track that is used the most by the learners which method will be suitable can you use observation well certainly not why not because you can't just look at the person and then conclude and say oh this person is using this kind of a track that's not a reliable method can you use interview yeah you can but it has got some limitations can you use questionnaire? Yes, of course you can. Okay, again in this case, it appears that you can use both questionnaire and interview. However, here's another important thing. Looking at the nature of the information that you want to collect, it's a sensitive information. Some of the people will be very secretive. Some of the people may be tempted to lie if you ask them in person what drugs they use. Therefore, disqualify the interview as much as it can be used, but it has got limitations in a sense that the information that you collect might not be reliable. Unlike in a questionnaire, in a questionnaire, it's more likely that your respondents will tell you truth. 
obviously because in the case of a questionnaire you don't ask your respondents to identify themselves in that case they will be free to give you whatever information that you want from them remember earlier on i spoke about those two terms population and sample and i said these are very important terms let's go back to it what is population well in this context because that is another thing that I think I need to emphasize. Every time you define a term in MathLit, you need to define it within the context. Don't just give a general definition. Remember in MathLit, every time before you are asked a question, you will be given a scenario, a story, and then you will be asked to define a concept. Therefore, you should always make sure that you define that concept within that context in which it is used in the scenario that is given. So in the context of methylates, when we are talking about population, we are referring to the total number of people or things from which you want to collect your data. And then what is a sample? Sample is closely related to the concept of population, but there is a slight difference. Sometimes when you conduct a survey, you will find that it's not possible to go to every single member of your population for different reasons. Then you choose to select a small percentage that will represent the entire population. That small percentage that represents the entire population, we call that a sample. That's the meaning of sample in this context. Let's move on. Another important thing here is you should be able to classify data when you after you've collected it you must know how to classify it so in classifying data you can either classify it as categorical or numerical i think the terms are self-explanatory but let me explain it anyway when we talk of categorical data the word categorical is derived from the word category Categorical data means the data that is separating things according to their qualities, according to their characteristics, or according to their properties. Whereas when we talk of numerical data, actually in maths, when we talk of numerical, if something is said to be numerical in any context, not only in the context of data handling, it means it, that thing has to do with numbers. So... When you're asked in a paper to classify data either as categorical or numerical, so you need to check, is your data composed of numbers? If it's composed of numbers, therefore it's numerical. Is it composed of group of things that are, that is sorted out in terms of qualities? If that's the case, therefore it is categorical. Let's come back to numerical. Under numerical, we have some other subgroups. You can further classify data is either discrete or continuous that falls under numerical what is discrete the easiest way of answering that question i always say you when you are given data and you are asked to classify it as either discrete or continuous you need to ask yourself one key question how was the data collected was it measured or was it counted if the answer to a question says my data was measured therefore it's continuous however if your answer to the to this question is my data was counted therefore it is discrete that's 
the easiest way of separating the two. Discrete data is the data that was counted. Continuous data is the data that was measured. Easy? I think so. Let's move on. Well, in rare cases, they may ask you this question not using the word categorical or numerical. They may decide to use the word quantitative or qualitative. It's very easy. When they talk of qualitative data in your book or in your exam paper, qualitative is derived from the word quality, which means it deals with qualities of things. So that is categorical data. Whereas when we talk of quantitative, quantitative is derived from the word quantity. Quantity means size or the amount of something. So that is automatically numerical because you express the size or the amount of something using numbers. Therefore, that will be numerical. Let's move on. Another important thing here is you should be able to calculate different measures of central tendency. By measures of central tendency, I mean the three things, which is the mean, median, and the mode. Those are your three measures of central tendency. And then you need to also be able to calculate a measure of spread, and that is the range. Quickly, what is the mean? The mean is what they sometimes call the average. Add all the values in your data set and divide by the number of values in your data set. Median is the number that lies in the center of your data set after you have arranged your data set in an ascending order. Okay, that is very important. Mode, mode is the number that appears the most in your data set. So let me give you a quick example. Let's say I give you a data set in the form of five, seven, three, nine, 10, 11. That is my data set. Let me repeat it. Five, seven, three, nine, 10, 11. And then you are asked to calculate the mean. What do you do? Add all those numbers. So what is the sum of those numbers? 45 divided by the number of values on your data set. How many values are in your data set? Six. So it's 45 divided by six. The answer is 7,5. So that is your mean. And then the next thing, will be your median. How do you calculate median? Firstly, remember, you arrange first in an ascending order from the smallest to the biggest. So if you arrange these values, that will be 3, 5, 7, 9, 10, 11. Remember, when we check our data set, we have even numbers. So we, have, we don't have one number that we can say is at the center. We actually have two. So what do we do in that case? Take the two numbers at the center divided by 2. The two numbers at the center is 7 plus 9 divided by 2 and then you get 8 which is your median. And then the mode. How do you identify the mode? The number that appears more often in your data set. Okay. In this case there is no number that is repeated. So how do you answer this question? Because this is a possibility by the way. They may give you a data set where there is no number that is repeated yet they ask you to identify the mode. Well, the biggest mistake that students do is they say zero, trying to imply that the mode is not there because they know zero is something that is not there. However, you should not do that because the moment you say zero, it's like, it's like now you are implying that zero is the number that is repeated the most in your data set. 
okay so in this case if you are asked to identify the mode and the mode is not there the safest thing to do is to say explain in words and say there is no mode lastly measures of spread that is the range the range remember is the difference between the highest value in your data set and the lowest value in the data set thank you all that mathematics literacy lesson was brought to you by the kwazulu natal department of education